have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We are wrapping up our series on bullseye living this morning. And today is all about uh, making a plan, knowing what your plan is. Uh, you may recall week one, we talked about bullseye living. We gave a good definition of the idea that bullseye living is living for God and his purposes. That's our, our sole concern. Uh, a lot of times we, we make other things the bullseye. Uh, pursuit of happiness. We think, well, I just want to be happy. Uh, week two, we talked about core values and the importance of how core values play a role. They're principles that guide our thinking and behavior. And then last week, we talked about the, the impact of those core values uh, in areas such as our character and our workplace and our, even our legacy. So this morning, we want to wrap up with a plan. And if we want to live a life in such a way that God and his purposes are our highest priority, then we need to have a plan. So before we uh, unpack the passage, let's kind of give a quick context of what's taking place, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul. He is writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. It's someone uh, that Paul actually mentored. Uh, met him during his second missionary journey. Uh, became a mentor to Timothy. Uh, and then Timothy is going to become the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Now, Timothy's grandmother was Lois, his mother was Eunice, and they were greatly influential in Timothy, Timothy's godly upbringing. So what we have in 1 Timothy is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a very young pastor at the church of Ephesus for the purpose of encouraging him in his preaching and teaching roles. So with that in mind, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, let's go ahead, let's pick up at verse 1. I was going to pick up at verse 6, but let's go ahead and pick up at verse 1. Uh, just simply because this is, uh, this is relevant, so relevant for us today. Uh, the very beginning of this chapter talks about the great apostasy. And in other words, it's, gonna, it's talking about the last days when there are going to be a number of people who uh, were part of the church or churches themselves are going to walk away from the faith. Uh, so here we have verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now I'm not, uh, that's not our focal passage this morning but I did want to share that because Again, it's one of those things that when you look around and you think about the last days, we are, we are I, I used to say we're headed there. We're there. We already see these things coming to fruition. Uh, when, when we talk about forbidding to marry, uh, my generation saw the first decline uh, in the divorce rate, largely because uh, the Gen Xers saw the impact of divorce from the baby boomers. However, the, new, the generations that have followed my generation, Gen X, 
the generations that have followed have also seen a decline in the divorce rate, but it's not for the same reason. It's for the reason that they no longer see a need for marriage. In fact, they, they discourage marriage altogether. Uh, we see the same thing with uh, your, your diet and, and don't eat meat and all of those things, and that's exactly what it's describing here. But then we hit our focal passage, picking up at verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and is of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youthfulness, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, before we jump in uh, to the passage uh, and unpack it specifically, I want to share with you uh, the key to this passage. Has anybody, just out of curiosity, and especially since, you know, we've got uh, teachers in the room, has anyone ever heard of Thomas H. Palmer? from the 1800s, Thomas H. Palmer, just out of curiosity. He wrote a book in 1840. It was called The Teacher's Manual. Ring a bell, anybody? No? Okay. If you've never heard his name, or if you've never heard his book called The Teacher's Manual, I am confident that you have heard a phrase of his. You have heard a phrase of his. In fact, I could begin it, and I can almost say with certainty, uh, that you could finish it. This was a phrase from his book, The Teacher's Manual, 1840. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, right? You got it. So th let me share with you actually what Thomas H. Palmer actually wrote. These are the actual words. It's actually a, a bit of a limerick. It says, "'Tis a lesson you should heed. Try, try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. Now, it's a great motivational quote. It really is. Uh, it's a great motivational quote, and, and we have memorized it. Uh, we've shortened it. Uh, we've gotten rid of one of the tries. I'm not really sure why. Uh, but here's the thing. When I, when I think about that phrase, which we're all familiar with, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, 
um, we have allowed that phrase or that thinking to impact a lot of areas of our life. But the Apostle Paul gives us some insight in how to succeed at bullseye living. And it might surprise you, because all of us have this Palmer's quote stuck in our head, and we have convinced ourselves that if we didn't succeed at something, that we just simply need to do what? Try harder. Let me explain the problem with thinking, try harder. Imagine this. Um, I grew up in the 80s, and growing up in the 80s meant that uh, I was familiar with, in fact, I had a teacher that looked a lot like Hulk Hogan. Uh, if you remember the, the, the wrestling era, uh, Hulk Hogan, the wrestling buddies, uh, Hulk Hogan in his prime. Now, I just want you to imagine this. Imagine it's circa 1989, and uh, Hulk Hogan is going into the ring, and it's 1989, I am a teenager, and Hulk Hogan is in his prime. I'm in, I'm in one corner of the ring about to take on Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan is in his. And, I, and, we, and the bell rings, and we both make our way to the center of the ring. Who do you think is going to win that match? Me or Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan. Now, being a, a good coach, you might say, all right, come back. Listen, you got this. Go out there and just try harder. You can, you can do this. Just, you're not trying hard enough. Go out there and try harder. And I say, okay, I'm going to do this again. And I go out to the middle of the ring, and Hulk Hogan comes out, and meets me, and it's round two, and what happens? I try harder, and who wins? Hulk Hogan. And we do it a third round, and who wins? Hulk Hogan. Every single time, Hulk Hogan is going to win. Now, did it mean I didn't try hard enough? Did it mean, did it mean that each time I went out there, I just, I just didn't give it my all? Uh, that I just didn't try as I, as I should have? No. Uh, the idea is this, and I think that it's so important. Pa the Apostle Paul gives us the, the answer. Let me give it to you with key point number one. It's not how hard you try, it's how well you've trained. It's not how hard you try, it's how well you have trained. If you look back at verse 7. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, exercise yourself toward godliness. Train yourself toward godliness. The idea is, is not about just try harder, try harder. Imagine, if you will, giving them a math exam, right? You're giving a math exam and they, they take the test and they all fail. And then you say, okay, wide that up. I'm going to give you the test again, only this time I want you to try harder. And then you give them the same test, just after they had failed the first one, and say, now, give it your best try this time. What's going to happen? They're still going to fail. Why? Because it's not how hard you try, it's how well you've trained. It's not how hard you try, it's how well you have trained. Now, when I think about that, there's a lot of things through the years that I have, have trained in. Uh, there's a lot of things that I can do well. There's some silly things that I can do well. Again, growing up in the 80s, 
80s were known for their, their commercial jingles, right? And I, I knew all of them. I knew all of them well. You remember uh, my baloney has a first name? It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why I say, because Oscar Mayer has a way with B-O-L-O-G-N-A. That's how I learned how to spell baloney, right? You, d- you didn't get there with just trying harder. You had to practice that one, right? How about, the, how about the one from McDonald's? Before it was just, I'm loving it. It was two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. You know, and yes, we got it. We, it, was, it was the challenge. What not how, how hard you tried is how well you trained. We trained at all sorts of things. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? We had all of them. We had all sorts, but we trained. But here's the thing. We convinced ourselves that we simply need to try harder. The reason I'm never going to be able to beat Hulk Hogan is because I've never trained myself to beat Hulk Hogan. I can try with all my heart, but if I haven't trained, my effort is futile. And unfortunately, we do the same thing in our faith. We do the same thing in our faith. I've counseled people through the years who want to give up a bad habit. They may say, I'm I'm trying really hard to give up alcohol or pornography or whatever it might be. The problem is it's not how hard you try. It's what you've been training yourself for. And Paul says that we can train ourselves toward godliness. To train ourselves toward godliness.